My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to season two of the second season of Grassroots, the only podcast dedicated to women's rugby from the grassroots up. In this four-person line-out of an episode, we discuss the withdrawal of Waterloo women from the league and what it says about the state of the game. We meet the lovely Southport ladies, Jodie's made an interesting bet, and Joyce fails miserably to retire. You'll notice that a couple of people were absent from this recording. It's been a tough few weeks for the pod crew, with bereavement, relationship breakdowns, and the usual busyness. Sherry, in particular, has had a difficult time. Her beloved Great Dane Rex was sadly put to sleep recently. Rex was a massive character in every sense of the word and a big part of the rugby club. And his death has hit the family hard. Lots of rugby love to you, Shez. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. I'm Murray. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So I gave up smoking like three, four days before the game, gave up vaping, not the best idea. Where the ball was knocked on and the whistle went and I almost had possession, but he blew the whistle. So I just literally picked this other opposition girl up and just threw her to the ground. I was just like, for fuck's sake, I wanted that. Is that because every time you saw the ref's whistle, it reminded you of a vape and just sent you into the <laughs> That's what it was. I was close to gnawing on people's heads, like trying to inhale the hair at one point. <laughs> on Sheffield. It was getting bad. Actually, speaking of which, Jodie, did I hear about a little wager that exists between you and somebody else at the moment? Yeah, so at the minute, zero nicotine. And now there's a little wager on with Katie. I'm not really sure how it started, but so we were in the clubhouse and my sub was over. So I thought, get into the, the talk of rugby. And it obviously went to sex. So they learned a lot about me that night. It was Hannah who said something along the lines More of, than just listening to the pod. They don't <laughs> listen to the pod. Thank God. I'm n- <laughs> never going to introduce them to the pod. Not happening. Hannah said something about, oh, she'd gone X amount of days without sex or something. And Katie was like, oh, Jodie, you couldn't even do three days. I'm like, yeah, I could. Yeah, I really could. I'd go like three months at least. I was like, I bet you can't. I was like, yeah, I bet I can make it to the end of the year. And stupidly, she agreed to have the bet. So she's going to go without as well? No. So she's married, if... so she goes without anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Mm-hmm. Could, that could end badly. So I've done a month already now. This is before the bet. I wasn't having sex prior to it. So if I manage to abstain from sex until 2023, it will be Katie that has to run bollock naked, baps and flaps, at our first away game of the season, which happens to be Birkenhead away. Birkenhead <laughs> away, crikey, that could end badly. Mm, if I do not abstain and I slip up or trip or whatever you want to call it, slip and something, <laughs> then it will be <laughs> me that has to do it. Firmly on the cock, yeah. Mm. But Katie did say before, oh, it's not even real sex. So she's fucked herself over, really. It's not even real sex? That's what she's saying. Two girls aren't real sex, yeah. So she's fucked herself over. So if I do have sex with a girl, that doesn't count in her eyes. This sends me back to the trip down to Exeter where you had to explain very slowly and carefully to Sherry <laughs> what constitutes sex and lesbian relationship. I think I skirted around that. I don't, still don't think she gets it. What was the end conclusion? It. It, it had to involve nakedness, didn't it? Well, the, the conversation or the bed. Yeah, right. conversation. I was driving and trying to concentrate on not falling asleep. I don't remember. But I, I just I remember don't... the rather fruity but also... Quite technically vague. interesting conversation. <laughs> I think I tried to make it vague without giving her too much detail and insight yeah. into my sex life. So just out of interest, right? So this bet is all based around trust, isn't it? Because... Yeah, I could lie. 
You could lie. No, you couldn't, Jodie. You're a lesbian. <laughs> You'll be telling as soon as you have sex. Oh, and Hannah decided to just throw something in the uh, part as well, going, oh. Which Hannah's this? Lewis. She's like, oh, there's a lot of new lesbians have joined the team this year. You fucked yourself over, aren't you, Jodie? I was like, yes, I have made, been made aware. I can tell. So you've got some fresh meat and you've, you want to self-impose abstention just to prove a point? Yeah, sex ban, zero nicotine. My life is just stressful at the minute. There's nothing I've got in my life. Alcohol. I'm heavily <laughs> relying on alcohol. I've not shown you my eye, have I? I'll put it on the group chat. Oh, we've seen it. Yeah, so big point oh, of for Jodie. So what happened? I haven't got a clue. She kicked herself. I haven't got you a clue. Hit yourself. Jodie's loose limbs. She's always damaging other players. So it was only be- not long before time she was going to damage herself, wasn't it? It was the first tackle. That's all I remember. I think I just went a bit too low and I got a boot to the face and it just started swelling up, turned around. I was like, is this okay? It was like, it's a bit big. Three seconds later, that's getting bigger. Oh, that's getting bigger. And it was just like completely black. I struggled to see yesterday. It closed up when I woke up. I was like, oh. I thought you said a boob to the face then. I was like, crikey. Oh, God, no. I was coming at you with some pace. I think I'd forfeit the bet if that happened. <laughs> What, have you got a boob that can do that damage? With <laughs> <laughs> a black eye by a flying boob, that's uh, quite an injury. That'll definitely go into tribute to the fallen. So Nicola, how's retirement going? It's going really well, yeah. I'm enjoying life, you know, gardening, taking it easy, afternoon teas, yeah. yeah. So what would you say you were doing today? Well, I accidentally found myself running on the pitch. I just stood there for the minute silence for the Queen, and the next thing I know, there's a scrum and just couldn't help myself. <laughs> so what you're saying is you yet again retired just to get shout-outs on podcasts, presents from your teammates, claps on the back and all of that, and then this season you're going to try and do it all again? Yeah, pretty much. I'd, I'd come for the free stash, to be honest, but I didn't get any, so I won't be playing sale, that's for sure. You know, fancy giving the prop the odd socks, I'm going to stand out like a sort of thrum. It's going to have So, Nick, I'm looking forward to seeing you play against Sal in a couple of weeks. You've got the day off. <laughs> I'm retired, you know. <laughs> It's really hard to retire from rugby, as you all well know. Yeah. Yes. Well, no, I hope the rest of the game goes well. So far, I haven't seen much, much of your playing, but it's because you're half the size you used to be. I am a little bit. Just healthy living, good life, Welsh fresh air. Yeah. Yeah, lots of sex. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joyce, oh, for all our millions of listeners, right? So, I remember last season writing a nice, heartfelt tribute to you to commit you into retirement it's a bit like you know when you put a coffin you press a button in the crematorium and there's a bit of a you know book ending of the and end the of your career gets stuck a little bit curtain gets stuck you're kind of thrust into a fiery pit we all thought that on the third attempt at trying to retire this might actually be the one time you, you pull it off but it feels like you failed even at managing to retire that's interesting do you want to talk us through it no <laughs> <laughs> I have tried to retire and on a serious note, it's really difficult to let it go. It's like it's like a, a relationship that's gone bad that you know you need to leave, but you're just in it for the pain. Just, that's so yeah. accurate. It is. Seriously, it is. <laughs> the pain. It's like a dysfunctional SM relationship. Yeah, no, it's like some weird self-harming. You like you know you know you don't want to do it, but you're like, okay, I'll do it. And then you go to training and you're like, oh, this is lovely. This is like a big hug. This is really lovely. And then you go to a game and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? You end up with a black eye and still come back next week asking for more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, 
one point, I was like, I don't know whether I've got a boil coming on my forehead or not. Oh, no, no, it's just a stud mark. That's fine. That's a stud. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just great. Yeah, no, it's really hard to retire. I really did try. You didn't try at all. There's been two games you played in both, Joyce. You've, re- <laughs> you've retired in the off-season, which is just code for skiving pre-season. Yes. There's right. nothing retired about you. <laughs> I-, I think you'll find I have done a pre-season, though. I'm looking better. Have you? Yes. You yeah. do, to be fair, you have. Look, you do look like you've spent the summer being beasted, mm. being pounded. Hills are good for hill training. Yeah. No, I have. I have been. I've been working hard on it. So, I mean, my only thing is, I know it's really unfair because I can't get to all the training sessions because where I live, and then that isn't great. And that was one of my reasons for saying I wanted to retire and not do it because I couldn't fully commit, and it's not fair. So you've just discovered the age-old truism of rugby that that the whole don't train, don't play is all fine until you're facing an away game somewhere and then five people have made themselves available. Yeah, and then at which point you feel like like you feel really wanted. So really, it just helps all my insecurities. I'm just, I'm just needy. Nick, what country yeah. have you moved to? Wales. Wales. Is Wales not big on the rugby? No, is it not? Not women. <laughs> Never heard so, of it over there. No. No, no, not the women's rugby. That's the thing. They do have teams. To play with the team the same as the team crew in Nantwich, I'd have to travel just 20 minutes less ah. than coming to crew in Nantwich to train. Oh. So you might as well just come to crew in Nantwich. Well, exactly. And it's a straight road and I go past the Starbucks and the Marks and Spencers, so I get a bit of civilization. If I trained over here, I'd just be going over mountains. You would. To get... Yeah, you'd, yeah. you'd have to get milk from the cow itself. <laughs> exactly. Before I went, lucky I have a coffee business, and also, you know, I'm on a flood warning already tonight. So if I do drop off, that's because the alert's gone off again. So yeah, I just get stranded in some far off place in Wales. Whereas at least if I'm in Nantwich, I could go out for some beers. <laughs> you can. Yeah. Well, it's good to see you back in a crew in Nantwich shirt, Joyce. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm not, I'm not sure about the new ones, to be honest. I, do, I mean, I do like the collar. I feel it's missing an extra button. I'm here with Laura, who is the captain for Southport Ladies. So, Laura, why don't you tell us a little bit about Southport Ladies and how your season is going so far? So, obviously, it was a friendly today, first game of the season, got our first proper league game next week. Um, after last season, we obviously came from um, League Below. Um, we just we, we, we did really well last season, to be honest, after having like years of not really having the play and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Honestly, it's good to see that the grassroots rugby as a whole is, is building. Um, but, yeah, so we're looking forward to the season. It's a new league, completely new standard. Yeah. So, yeah, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, so, uh, obviously, I think I read, did you go unbeaten in your last season yes. to come up, which is amazing to yeah. go unbeaten yeah. in the entire league. So, what is your aim for this season, moving up? Aim probably is keeping that standard just as high. Yeah. Um, we obviously it'd be nice to go unbeaten, but that that's not that's not the aim. We just want we want to play good good clean rugby, keep working hard throughout the game, um, and trying our hardest really. As long as every player gets off the pitch knowing they played the best, that's that's what we're Sounds after. Sounds like a good plan to me. So big physical game today. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Especially for the forwards, it was. It was. There was a lot of Yeah. Oh yeah. Not uh, bad. So. Uh, Obviously, good game, like we say. Everybody pitched in. You guys really brought it to us today, yeah. which was great. It's what we needed. What was your highlight of today's game? 
probably seeing because we have about four four players that have never played rugby before. Oh, wow. Seeing them on the pitch, that was that was good to see. And as well as we've had a couple of players that have only really played a couple of, se- a couple of games last season, it's good to see how they've developed. Um, and honestly, I'm excited to see how how they develop throughout the season. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't I wouldn't have known that you had four players out there who would never no, played rugby yeah. before. They looked part of the part yeah. of the unit and were doing really well. So yeah. kudos to them for that. Well, uh, and yeah, we apologise for Molly for breaking a few of your players. It's yeah. fine. It's it's rugby, isn't it? It's yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, building into next season, which opposition is it that you're looking forward to playing the most next season? Oh, I think it's Vagabonds. I'm a man, yeah, because we're flying out Vagabonds. It's always a laugh getting on plane. Like, you don't, we don't know whether they're staying over or whether we're coming back. But either way, it's 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 good good idea for social. It's just it's just a bit different, isn't it? Really? Yeah, we loved it when we played Vagabonds. It was always the week that we did a yeah. social and we yeah. stayed over. So and Vagabonds team always up for a good social as well. Because it's on a Saturday, exactly. well, away game and home game Saturday, so it's just gonna be a lot better. I suppose just enjoy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, best of luck for the season. Thank, thank you, so you much. for today and thank you for coming on the pod. And we wish you all the best. Good luck to you. When you guys were down in Exeter, Lucy and Mm. Joe, that must have been the first time you've played in a genuine women's fit kit. Was there any difference? Yes. I think so. Also, the fact that we ordered it to fit our size as well. The difference being, obviously, when you join a team, the kit isn't designed for you. It's designed for your number for a start. So you can end up being any number anyway, even if you're paying 14, end up with a three shirt. Just how it goes. Do the crew in Antwich? Is that that's not women's fit, is it? Yeah, it's women's it? fit. They said it is, but is it? No way. No, it's not. It's straight up and down. It says it's it? women's fit. The sizing across the back is all women's sizes, but it's not a nice as fit as the grassroots kit that we had. Yeah, I was going to say because it doesn't feel. Maybe it's just the size I've got. I think the problem is, like you say, Joe, we have to get kits to fit numerous different sizes of people playing one position. So you might get somebody on the wing who is tiny like Jode or who is slightly bigger and you've got to find a shirt that works for both players that both players will feel comfortable in when they turn up on the pitch and give them confidence to play rugby and having gone through and done the kit order that is it's a nightmare it's really stressful trying to do that because you won't please everyone yeah the kit is it is women's fit it's better than what we used to have but I did enjoy the grassroots kit slightly better they were nice they were nice. Smart. You know, it was nice. It was comfortable. Yeah. There's a lot of people who said that, but I mean, obviously I'm to the untrained eye, me being the untrained eye, a kit's a kit. But a number of people commented on the Halbro kit that it really did fit properly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Big shout out to Halbro. Yeah. But is that because we obviously got everybody to give us their sizes and we chose a kit that would fit the people concerned? Or was it just because it's a, it's cut a particular way that fits properly? I think probably, probably a, bit a mix of both. Yeah, I think we knew that it was a specific team, didn't we, really? Like, we knew who was turning yeah. up, so we knew what sizes to order, whereas for your everyday team where you've got players joining, leaving, moving to Wales, you know, all that sort of thing, you've got to have a kit that's can fluctuate with the team. It's a really difficult one, and I think there's a lot of work that people can do still on women's fit kit to make it what it should be. Because we don't want to go back to the days of Harlequins running out in a men's fit kit for their big game, which was just embarrassing. No, totally. But progress is definitely being made. So yeah, yeah, everyone's heading in the right direction. So just keep it up. Keep up the good work, people. I do think that clubs need to push back on committees sometimes. So Joyce, actually, interesting question for you. Yeah. So obviously you were chair of Crew for a period of time. I had an argument with somebody who will remain nameless 
about. I know it. who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, we all know who you're talking about. Um, yeah, he maintained that there was absolutely no way in any situation that we could order kit from any other manufacturer than the one that was involved with the club. My argument was, yeah, but they don't do a kit that's appropriate. So therefore, any contract that's in place, it doesn't really apply. There was never any contract in place. The only thing that you get, so like, um, you know, I think what we owe owe Neil's or something, is that the club get a kit back by how much you purchase from them. So really, if you can drive everyone to purchase that kit from that supplier and you're buying it, the more you spend, you then get a a 2% kickback or a 5% kickback on your overall spend that you've done. But that's the only contract that's in place. There's nothing to say that you can't have your minis and juniors. And there was always that thing because when you've got team kit, so the first team kit, it's usually the profit, which is a lot more expensive. But then for your minis and juniors, you don't want to be spending 30 quid on a shirt because they grow. And this is why I was always in some ways anti-sponsorship on junior kit because you can't hand it down to the next people. Well, you can, but then you end up with a squad with loads and loads of different sponsorship on. Companies are getting free sponsorship for probably 10 years on shirts that they're not paying for because they'll pay for the first year and then that shirt is should be null and void. But in junior sections, they're just around for years and years. So A, you lose out on sponsorship revenue because there's sponsorship on shirts that nobody's paying you sponsorship for. And B, they're really expensive for mini kit, which then excludes people where rugby should be inclusive. So yeah, I used to have the same battles. Interesting. You know, your minis and junior kit, not unbranded, but with your badge on, but the lower end, it doesn't need to be the pro fit. Yeah. Um, interesting because that kickback thing whilst important it is a good source of revenue for teams yeah it shouldn't be you know the only reason why you should use a particular supplier as a club ideally you'd want everybody on a saturday and sunday running out in perfectly matching kits the conformity of it just looks brilliant the realization is with money and the cost and new players stepping in at very short notice not knowing that you need black and white socks you're never really going to get that. And the backs are always one aware, but you trainer socks, aren't they? Rather than proper rugby socks. So, well, you know, we like to show off our ankles, don't we? So. Yeah, your cankles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it needs to be affordable, but it also needs to be. And also, I think for me, you know, going on my eco thing, it's a huge waste of money because you're buying new kit every year and you shouldn't need to. You know, your first team kit, if you're having sponsorship on it, you should have sponsorship for three years and then change your kit after three years. But yeah. we get new kit every year. And it's just, I just felt it was always a waste of money. It's like, why are we spending this money again? But from a sustainability point of view, I remember giving away bags and bags of kit that was just leftover shirts. I've got a load in my garage. I don't even know why it's there. <laughs> I just found a bag. I've probably, I was I've probably given it to you. <laughs> yeah, we, we gave some away when we were down in Exeter. Yeah. yeah. It's not the sort of thing you can really sell. They're good tops for painting your house in, I guess. And I think the problem with the kind of tight fit ones is they're just not comfortable to wear socially or casually, are they? If you wear to play in, fine. But you wouldn't want to wear it down the pub. They're just too tight, aren't they? No, and I think this is the lovely thing with with our club this year. It's the centenary, isn't it? So you've got like the retro centenary one that you'd go to, you know, down to Twickenham and watch a game in, you know, and, and show off your club because it's a kind of, can I say it, leisure top rather than a sports top isn't it you wouldn't play yeah. rugby in it honestly it'd be like playing in the 1980s you'd be waterlogged they just gather <laughs> all the water in it um <laughs> you know like the weight of it like you'd feel like you'd have two extra people on it but yeah i think that's lovely if you can have kind of a social kit that you can purchase but then 
yeah, your kit. My worry was when I saw the kit, and I think the men have got white shorts. And I was like, oh my God, how have we not moved on from this? There was a big discussion about it because the centenary kit that we're playing in now is based on the original kit that Crew and Ampwich started in 100 years ago. That's why the kit's been changed this season. Yeah. Um, before women could even vote. <laughs> yes, before we before we were, we were allowed outside, Betty, and we had to stay inside and never speak to anyone. Yeah, the original strip 100 years ago was white shorts. And when it was kindly pointed out to them that maybe women might not be comfortable wearing white shorts, actually the committee were really receptive to it and completely understood, realised straight away that it was a silly idea and were totally on board with us having black shorts instead. So there is progress and it's positive. It's, as always with women's rugby, it's always baby steps, isn't it? It wasn't deliberate. It just wasn't, it didn't cross anybody's minds, if that makes sense. Because if you're a bloke, you don't have to think about what happens every month, do you? So it didn't feature as an idea. But I'm happy to say we are wearing really nice black shorts instead, which I think look just as good as the original kit in white shorts. So I'm quite pleased with it. I like it. It's good fit. Yeah, yeah. it looks yeah. good. Yeah, it does. Anyway, topic for today. There was some big news in our league a couple of weeks back, or was it last week, week before? And it's part of a wider discussion within rugby about participation, but more importantly than anything else, you know, funding and and, and profile. And the news that was quite shocking in the Northwest was not the demise, that's a bit strong, but the withdrawal from the league of Waterloo ladies. So, to give listeners that aren't from the Northwest some context, uh, Waterloo Ladies was very much the flagship team in the Northwest. They've been going for many years. We're always the team that were pioneering the women's game. Uh, a lot of the very best players in the region went to play for them. And they probably controversially, in a sense, mainly because of the admittance of Litchfield within the Premier 15 structure, they were included as a Premiership team. And it's fair to say they struggled, despite doing an awful lot of work to grow the game, bringing women and girls into the sports, doing a lot of outreach work, coaching and and so on in the local area. They withdrew from the Premier 15s League after the ring fencing for relegation and promotion was taken away and were then put into the Championship 1 League, which is obviously one-off Premiership. Last season found going tough it's fair to say I think I'm not sure they won any of their games but certainly were nowhere near the competitive force that they would have been due to the majority of their top players going to sell Sharks or further afield and we've just had announcements before the main league season started that they've pulled out of league rugby altogether uh, which is pretty shocking for those in the sport in this area to see a team that was once the flagship side in the whole of the northwest now not playing league rugby at all so pretty shocking. What were your thoughts, guys? It was. It was really shocking to see that a, a club, that a team can go so quickly after being where they were. But it just highlights as well. I mean, in that area, we're not too bad in Crewe and Nantwich. We don't have any other really big club. And we've got Sandbatch and we've got Chester. Sandbatch doesn't have a women's section or a girls' section. So we haven't got much competition. But over that way in Furwood, you've got so many teams. And then you've got, like you say, Sale. I think they did the right thing because, you know, they're not going to put anybody at risk. They're not going to field out a team that isn't not capable of being in that league, but they're not putting anybody in danger. I think it's a brave thing to come out and do, isn't it? And hopefully they come back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was really sad to see a club that was 
you know, the Premier 15s is made up, let's be blunt, of a lot of Southern clubs. You know, you, you don't get a lot of rugby represented at a top flight level up here. So between Sharks and DMP Sharks, that's all we've got. And so for Waterloo to go from being in the Premier 15s to pulling out of that league when it came out of being ring-fenced, to going into Champ 1, to being relegated, to coming down to our league. I mean, hand on heart, I was really excited to go and play at Waterloo. The thought of being able to look back and say that I played at a team's ground that had previously been in the Premier 15s was, you know, just something to look forward to. So I'm absolutely gutted for them. I'm heartbroken for them because I know the work that goes on behind the scenes to keep a team going, you know, to bring players in, to develop players and encourage them those that have got the talent to go on further and for them to find themselves in this situation it's really 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 sad and it's just set against an environment at the moment of clubs and teams struggling from all levels from our levels all the way up through to premiership does it come down to a bit of greed in the clubs I mean I know for someone like Furwood I guess I know when, when I was chair, you know, one of the discussions of was what happens if the women's do go up the ranks and the cost involved for a club to become a champion one prem club is massive. You, you take on huge amounts of debt. There's so many hoops you have to jump through for the RFU to meet that what their requirements. You've got to have a stand. You've got to have this. You've got to have that. You've got to have something else. So from not just the player's point of view, but from a club's point of view, it can take down a club, the whole club. And that needs to be looked at. I'd really hope the RFU are really looking at why Furwood ladies, women, had to do this and why it wasn't supported during this process. Yeah, yeah, totally. How about you, Jodie? What are your thoughts on it? Obviously, you know, as as a player, as somebody that's been in the county setup as well. Yeah, I reiterate what Lucy says. It is really sad because if you look just two years ago, they were in the Prem and I'm pretty sure the Fairwood Waterloo seconds team were pretty highly ranked as well at a really good level. I wonder if COVID had anything to do with it at all when Fairwood sort of dropped out of the Prem 15, that's when Sale appeared and they got all that funding. Did that have a massive impact? Did they basically flee the ship and all run over to Sale to sort of jump on that bandwagon again because it's not too far away from each other it's hard to see what sort of caused the whole effect really i think there's many things yeah. yeah it'd be good to understand it though to have a review the rfu just allow it to happen then no one learns from it do they you know you want to make sure you, you we have more clubs because it's not just the women's team that's gone it's their junior section of girls as well they've now got nowhere to go within that club which is huge as well the one thing that I've always struggled with within rugby, but also within the women's game, is that kind of two-tier system. So you've got the grassroots team to do what we do, go out every Sunday, try and win a match, have a bit of fun. Uh, sometimes you get on a winning run, sometimes a losing run. You're constantly trying to grow your squad, constantly trying to plug those who retired with those people that retired last week, get them back playing again, Joyce. You're in a constant cycle. It never really goes away. It never really starts. But ultimately, your expectations of the players are that they come in and they enjoy rugby, they learn the sport, they they contribute and so on. There's another group of clubs that are very much linked in with the pathway system within the RFU. The culture of those those clubs is very different. You know, the players that are brought in are usually aspirational. You know, they're athletes in their own way. They're looking at playing for a particular team as a pathway into the England setup or the England seven setup or the county setup, whatever it is. In other words, there's no real 
loyalty to a particular club. There's no real sense of playing for a, a badge, as it were, with you know, with a long history. It's about where that team can ultimately get you. And the coaches and the people who are involved in the recruitment themselves can be quite aggressive in their pursuit of what they perceive to be the best players in the area. So like Waterloo, for example, whilst I've got a huge amount of respect for them and what they've done for the women's game, they were regularly trying to poach players from the crew and set up at a time when we were particularly good. There were several players I can name now that were asked to go and train up there. There were players in the Waterloo setup that were tasked with trying to pull the best players in from the grassroots clubs. And it was really frustrating because they were obviously trying to sign players that maybe weren't ready for playing that level of rugby. They're also trying to bolster their squads to meet the quotas necessary to maintain their Premier 15 status. And I don't think they were always providing the the pastoral care and the, the actual training support that was needed with some of these players to actually cope with the demands of playing at a more professional level. I've certainly seen players that have gone to the Waterloo setup in the past that have come back and said, you know what, I didn't enjoy that. I get that because it's full on when you play at a top level, you know, it's physically and mentally demanding and some people just simply can't cope with it. And I get that, but I don't think they always, or certainly for a period of time when they were trying to grow their squad to compete at a Premier 15s level, I don't think they really necessarily thought about the bigger picture and the welfare of players. And I think that may well have had an impact when they've lost their premiership status. Those players that no longer have any loyalty to, to Waterloo quite simply just vote with their feet and go to clubs that, that do have that status. I think it's a hard thing, isn't it? Because as a club, you want to... Well, I think you have to decide as a club what type of club you're going to be, whether you're going to be a grassroots that achieves what it can, but creates really good players that then filter in to the premierships, to the England squad and everything else. And and you embrace that and think, we did a brilliant job. Go off, go and do amazing stuff, but come back to us when you retire and commit back in. Um, I think it's really hard as a player if you've got some potential. You know, the lower area clubs will give you an absolute beasting, won't they, if you leave? Uh, you know, it's kind of closed door mentality, or it used to be. We used to speak to Nick Kennedy about it, and he was very much about let them go because they will come back if you let them go. So I think you just have to decide really what kind of club you are. But there's always been that, hasn't there? You know, with, with a few yeah. local clubs that we have of trying to poach players underhand. I don't know whether yeah. you're always going to get that from team sport. I don't know. But there's ways of doing it, isn't it? And not looking at the bigger picture. Because like, if you take all the best players and put them in one team, who do they play? They're just going out and running around yeah. a pitch. They're not playing rugby yeah. at that point because they're just winning every game 100 yeah. plus points, aren't they? And, it, and it's yeah. no fun for anybody. So it's about spreading it a bit, I think. No. But, mm. I, and also that by having honest appraisal and having some kind of system in place that measures whether a players were actually able and ready to play up. And also within that, maybe doing more with the player loan system. So I can think of an example at the moment of a player that went from our junior section straight into a team that's, that's extremely competitive. I missed out a season really of playing development rugby and got badly injured in the first game, which is not good to see for anybody. And the reality is she had smoke blown up her backside for years about being amazing, played Cheshire, played in various different um, development pathways, and then has no experience at all of senior rugby, goes straight into the first game and soon realises that actually it's not not quite the same as nice, friendly, junior age group sport, you know, it's quite different. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've got a son that's just done that. He's gone up into senior rugby. And in some ways, from Colts, senior Colts, what's that phrase? You know, they were kind of like um, 
big fish, small ponds. Now they're small fish, big ponds. And there's games, he, you know, like on, on Saturday he played a game and there's blokes there who are, you know, third team playing blokes. They play a whole different game of rugby. I mean, it's legally above board, but it's a whole different game. And they yeah. hit a whole, you know, it, and even he will say it's a shock to the body. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Kind of looking at it from an outside perspective, as we all are, women's premiership rugby is still fairly new, still very much in its infancy. My view is it's still trying to find its feet, if that makes sense, in terms of how those pathways work from grassroots through to premiership and the way it's going now like you say Patty it's not working how it's being done now it's finding players that are, that have got the talent and I'm only jealous because if I was 20 years younger and had that much talent I'd be rooting myself through the system it's not yet found its right balance in how to progress those players that are coming up through the juniors through the under 18s into adult rugby that there needs to be a better transition that's more player welfare led than that's a really good player they've got to play adults rugby they've got to do it straight away if they want longevity and if they want people to match the likes of Sarah Hunter and Emily Scarrett and those sort of legends of the women's game they need to nurture them and they need to bring them on in a managed way rather than rushing them through the system there needs to be a wider discussion between the top levels of the game and those below them as to how that works. And there needs to be better integration between Prem clubs and grassroots clubs. I don't know what it's like in the South. This may be a totally different picture down in the South, but up here there isn't that integration unless you are in a select few clubs. There seems to be a bit of a, not an alienation, but a lack of want to, include all the local clubs in the area because there are players playing at nc2 and lower you know that are stars of the future but they're not being looked at because they're not in the right league or they're not at the right club and i think that's where the work needs to be done if you truly want to represent women's rugby in your area you've got to make yourself available to everybody in the area and all the rugby teams and you've got to support and you've got to build your player base up and manage it carefully rather than rushing youngsters into games that they perhaps could have done with just half a season, just learning the ropes of adult rugby. Because I didn't do it. I went straight into adult rugby. It must be a huge transition, like Joyce says with her yeah. son. It must be pretty scary to go from being 18-year-old best player in your team to 18-year-old in a team full of adult women playing another team of adult women. At that age, I would have been petrified. Yeah. The thing um, I remember more than anything else is the weight. Like when I was playing yeah. up to men's rugby from club rugby, still, everyone just weighs so much more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we do. Heavier bones. I think, I don't know whether, going back to the RFU, because they used to have all the grassroots and we used to have all the community people, didn't we? And I know they've cut down on all of that. I wonder whether that's having an impact on a pathway in or whether they're just assuming that the Prems will create their own pathways. But I think it comes down to like any rugby, really, unless you're in the right private school and university, you very rarely make it, do you? No, definitely And Maybe the same in the women's, you know, if you're not at that club and, you know, if you're not up at Loughborough or wherever, you're just not going to get looked at. It's the disposability of players that aggravates me. I think one of the problems that's befallen Waterloo is 
that the players that haven't quite made it have been discarded and the players that were relatively loyal to the club they tried to stay but then they had nobody around them they were playing a level of rugby that's very different to what they used to and of course the ones that were premiership standard and wanted to continue playing premiership standard had no choice but to leave so they're left with no pipeline of players no players in any kind of development framework and also the ones that they brought in were clearly promised that they're going to play premiership rugby or it's going to be this amazing pathway into doing great things with the sport and all of a sudden they have to go you know i'd love to get a look inside it inside how prem teams work what their platform is for bringing players through what their plans are we're saying all of this from the outside i know batty obviously you have experience from the coaching side of it and we have experienced it from the the players side of it but to be actually in there and see how it works and and how they plan things and the support it if there's a prem team out there who would invite us in invite us in because we need to know more because we need to understand how it works so look us up give us a shout email us hit the link and um, invite us in show us how you do it we're interested to know for the future of women's grassroots rugby i suspect apart from the top clubs it would be disturbingly amateur yeah <laughs> that's just my view. i'd like to think that they still have the same shit issues like we do <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah they will yeah. do yeah, yeah they will do no hot water. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 only one match ball because you know you can't have any more than that. Yeah. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree. I am yours. Your passages have been paid, inch by inch, play by play. Till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Shed says. I don't even know how podcast So Sherry, long-awaited return to the pitch. So how do you rate your contribution so far? Awesome. The scrum's completely changed once I got in there. We smashed it, and now we've had to go uncontested because we've broken so many of the opposition. I'll take most of the credit for that. <laughs> And I saw some interesting aerobatics from you a minute ago as well. What happened? Was that when I dived? Yeah. I don't. Is that even legal? You're allowed to do that? I don't know. What kind of context was it? You don't need to question it. Talk us through it and we decide whether it was legal or not. Well, I think I meant to hit the rook, but possibly the rook disappeared before I got there and I was already in dive rook position. So I flew through the air completely, thought I'd broken Molly's arm. Thank God I didn't. It was only a back. Her arms are fine. But at the end of the day, we, we scored. So... Whatever led to it, I don't know what was going through my mind. I was like an albatross in full flight, but we scored, so it was obviously legal, and it, it turned out all good. Excellent. It went, it went to plan, is what what we'll finish the, the, on. Textbook. Textbook. <laughs> Which textbook is this exactly, Terry? Well, just mine. I've got my own. <laughs> Knock on, knock off. Jody, I think it's time for knock on, knock off. Isn't it? <gasps> Actually, what? it could be interesting to like, because we've got the, the normal losers, the normal people fighting out for the bottom prize are not here tonight. No, and there's so, no Molly either, so Molly can't win. Molly can't win yeah. through cheating. Lou can't swear her way to a zero score. Does that mean we'll lose against Birkenhead because Molly's not here to win knock on, knock off? Well, she won twice and we lost two games, so. I don't think that's going to work. 
She's the curse then, basically. Yeah. Molly, yeah. Molly is cursing the team. Yeah, she needs to go. She just needs to go. Take her out, somebody. Take her out. Take her out. <laughs> Have a shot. Yeah. Have a Full put head, down. It's a headshot. We don't want to crawl him back out. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, it's just a flesh wound. Yeah, not, not a flesh. Yeah. Not a flesh wound. Yeah. Sorry, Molly. You know I love you. You're not, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling a bit anxious about this because I take a lot of pride in knock on, knock off. Do you, Jodie? I do. I really do. This is my segment. Actually, I like to own it. There's a massive car crash every week. And I feel, <laughs> I feel like a lot of people tune in to this just for the uh, knock on, knock off and for the facts and the news that we provide as grassroots women's rugby from the roots up. I feel like people get their information and their news from us. God help them. That I must... Are you basically saying that you haven't prepped it today? No, no. This oh. is, I prepped it today. It is with a heavy heart that I must admit failure on my part. So, cash your mind back to last week. We had a South Africa themed knock on, knock off. And there was a bit of a discrepancy about a team being called cheaters. <gasps> I, there was a team called the Cheaters. I apologise. I further did some research and I found out there was a team called Cheaters. I've also had people messaging me, telling me <laughs> about this team called Cheaters. <laughs> and I have, I've been have carrying this. Have you yeah. had hate mail? Yeah. I've been carrying this with me for weeks and I apologise. I have gone back. I have listened to the episode. I have recounted the results. Come on. Come on. And it changes everything. Yes. <gasps> the drama. You That's all drama. said... It's a knock-on, so you will get an extra point. So there's Woo! no change in the scoring. But yeah, oh. you will get an extra point. I apologise. I oh, do I was my best. be a change in the winner. No. Yeah. Oh, that was a massive anti-climax, Jodie. It was. I was I expecting to- Molly's <laughs> win to be overturned and Goose to be awarded the knock-on, knock-off trophy. Especially when Molly's not even here. God, that would have really yeah. upset her. Uh, Speaking uh, of South Africa, before you go on. Right, so I was looking at the stats the other day. So we have an alarming number of listeners from both South Africa and the USA. <sighs> It's because of my knock yeah. on, knock off. Shout out. No, no it's not, Jodie. You've got their teams wrong. <laughs> so if you're in the USA and you're listening to Grassroots, please, please, please get in touch. Drop us an email, at, and that's grassrootswomen at hotmail.com. Comment on social media, anything at all. I'd just love to know who you are, where you are, and uh, if, if it's all possible to get you on for an interview. Same for South Africa. Great that you're listening to us. Make yourselves known. Come and talk to us. Anyway, sorry, Jodie, back to you. Yep. Give me 10 seconds. I'll grab that pen. I thought you grabbed it. To be honest, she doesn't need to grab a pen. I'll be coming last anyway. She Kez. should do like Kez did at the weekend, and she put her pen in the valuables bag. It was just a biro, but it was from her notepad, and she put it in the valuables bag. So that it didn't <laughs> <go>. <laughs> You'll remember this, um, Batty. Um, was it from um, Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer's show where they had the guy with the white jacket on with all the pens in the pocket? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I'm imagining Kez now. I like you didn't include me in that on the basis that you still think that I'm young. Thank you for that. Julie. I do, Goose. I really do. I have actually, I have actually have no idea how old you are. No, it's my birthday tomorrow. Three. Well, I know it's your birthday tomorrow. Same with your birthday twin. Isn't you still it? know yeah. near the four, right? There were you. Uh, I'm only three years away from it. Are you? Mm. You don't look it, Goose. Thanks, Jode. You're still young. I'm still young. <laughs> so we have one, two, three, four, five questions and a bonus question to go with this episode. Can anyone guess what the theme is I'm going to go with this week? Can we have a clue? Yeah, exactly. It could be anything. (laughs) Goats. Goats. 
Go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'll put you out your misery. It's uh, the Rugby World Cup. Oh. Ah. Obvious, yeah. now you say it. <laughs> goats. <laughs> the Rugby World Cup of goats. Did a goat invade a pitch at a particular club during a game? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. next week. Mm. Question number one. Okay, so all <laughs> players playing for England are born in England. Knock on or knock off? Ooh, knock definitely off. knock off. Knock on. Joyce, you got that wrong. Ah, okay. For a bonus point, can anyone name the player and what country they're from? I'll give you a clue. There's two. There's one in yeah. the backs and one in the forwards. It's one of the centres, isn't it? Yeah, she's Fijian, isn't she? But, or Samoan. I can't remember her name. Oh, Jodie, that's going to bug me. She's just made it back into the England squad as well. Is it someone like... There's two. Is that... Oh, no. The first names both begin with L. First name. Laura. Oh, who's the prop? Laura, Laura, Laura. Who's my knowledge of England? Singer? Not Lucy Packer, is it? Born in Ireland. Oh, no. Lucy Packer is one. Yes. What country yes! is she from? Oh, God, I don't know. I know she plays scrum half. Does that Who is Marley Packer? The two There's... Packers. There is no, two Packers. Oh. Any clues, Jade? Is it in Europe? Yes. Well, it doesn't actually narrow it down. Sweden. Joyce, Germany. you might get a point here. Finland. Oh, do you know what? There's going to be a lot of editing. It's Wales. Right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll give a bonus point to Goose for guessing Lucy Packer. Matt, do you want to try and get any further with Laura? Is this the forward or the back? Uh, this is the forward. It's the prop. And I can't think of her surname. Ginger one. I'm going to say she's off from Ireland. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, more exotic. Scotland. Um, Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Bahrain the Solomon Islands she's Bahrain right we're calling that one all over right Matt you got one point Goose you got two points for that one what was her, what was her name then oh Laura Keels Thank that's you. the one I was thinking of oh no next question the first game of the Rugby World Cup tournament will be played by the Republic of South Africa v France knock on knock off knock off knock off knock on Yes, Joyce, it's a knock-on. That's the first game. Mm. Really? I thought it was the host nation always played the first game. Oh, fuck's sake. Please don't make me do this again. (laughs) (laughs) You had one job, Jodie. I thought you took great pride in your section. I do, I do. It doesn't sound like it. (laughs) Yes, it is. It is. I'm right. Yes, you fucked me over there. Right. (laughs) So, quarter past two in the morning. Yeah. GMT. uh, On the 8th of October, South Africa v France. The same day at quarter to five is Fiji v England, and at quarter past seven it's Australia v New Zealand, and that's that for the day. Until the I know what I'm doing on Sunday. Sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa. so hold on a minute. So we have planned a team night out when there's three games of women's rugby on. It's at it four a.m. Two o'clock in the morning, Joyce. What? Katie was okay. still eating a pizza at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, where are we eating pizzas and watching the game? <laughs> yeah, she'd be on a six, yeah. She'd be walking barefoot home. Third question. England are in pool B. Ooh. Knock on. Um, yeah, knock, knock on. Off. Knock off. Matt, correct. Yes. I know they're in pool A, aren't they? I think they're in pool C, but I will double check now because I don't C. trust what I write down. I think they're in pool C. No, pool C. Yeah, pool C. Yeah, thank God for that. I don't tr- I'm don't. second guessing myself all the time. It's because you haven't had sex or had a cigarette. In, I know, I'm all over the place. I am not Mentally me. shot to shit. 
Jay ate a lot of cocks on the coach, so that might explain it as well. <laughs> I don't know if that just has a negative effect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cock makes you thick. <laughs> I was going to ask you the bonus question, but I feel like you've all Googled the answer now. Oh, go on. What, what would that be? What are the teams in this pool? But you it's know, Fiji. I know that much because you've just said Fiji's that they're playing Fiji. England. I'm going to say... Uh, France? No. South Africa? Canada. Goose, correct. Goose, correct. You'll have half point each. France and yeah. South Africa. It's quite a tough pool. That is a tough pool. Yeah, but England are the best so far. Oh, you've just given it the kiss of death then, haven't you? <laughs> there you are. Okay, next question. England have the most World Cup wins. Knock on or knock off? Knock off. Knock off. Knock off. Correct. Bonus point, do you know who has? New Zealand. I was going to say New Zealand. New Zealand. I I'm saw not a you that... video earlier. Yeah, I'm not giving you that bonus point. But I will give you the bonus point if you tell me how many times New Zealand have won the World Cup. Four times. Oh. Three. Four. Oh, it's five. <laughs> Oh, is it? Yeah. There's been seven World Cups. England have won two, New Zealand have won five. That's pretty good going. Yeah. Not very diverse, though. Yeah. Uh, do you know who was the first one to win? England. USA. No. Yeah, it was, it was played in England. It was it played in England, but America won. Did they? Yeah. I didn't know that. USA. Oh, England host in 2025. The number of teams will increase from 12 to 16. Is that a knock-on or knock-off? Knock on. Mm-hmm. Knock, knock on. on. I'm going to say knock on as well. Yep, correct. It goes from 12 to 16. Who comes in then? Oh, I completely forgot to write that down. I was hoping you would ask that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Are you really showing pride in your work here, Jade? Okay. We have one definite winner and there is a joint, joint second. To decide the second place and third place, we're going to have a shootout this is really spectacular one i've really taken it so far in the whole history of women's rugby world cup there have been 21 teams have played how many can you name oh, oh so are we taking it in turns there's a lot of editing going on here batty for this quiz yeah i know i'm thinking <laughs> that for somebody who takes we had a meeting the other week work. about how we can make sure we get episodes out promptly and it was like yeah, we could maybe leave Matt with less editing. In fact, we just doubled the editing. <laughs> well, I'm telling you what bit to cut. Just cut this the bit. The bit where you go from on your pen, the bit where you have to look things <laughs> up on Google. Yeah. The bit where you have a crisis of confidence and you yeah. don't know whether your answer's correct. The bit where you give incorrect <laughs> answers to your own questions. <laughs> the huge apology that you have to give at the front for offending yeah. a whole load of teams. <laughs> yeah. Apologies. Right, okay. We'll go a little round robin. We'll start with Matt. Name a team. England. England, correct. Goose. Ireland. Correct. Joyce. Wales. Correct. France. Matt. France, correct. Australia. Goose. Correct. New Zealand. Correct. USA. Correct. Goose. Scotland. Oh, yeah. Correct. <sighs> Japan. Oh, yep. Yeah. Canada. Correct. Fiji. Correct. Joyce. Italy. Italia. Correct. Yeah. This is getting hard. I'm going to say Samoa. Samoa. Good. Yep. South Africa? Nice. Yep. How many have we got left, Jade? Five. Five, Five left. Ooh, Five. It's getting hard. These are very obscure. I would not know these. 
Oh, no. Joyce, what have we got? We've had Japan, haven't we? We must have something over that way a bit more, like Korea or somewhere like that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Coast of Mui. Don't know. You're out, dropping out. Yeah. Matt Goose, I'm gonna say, one for one. Oh, I'm going to say Spain. Spain for Matt. Goose, Germany. stay in. You have to get this right. Germany. Germany. Yes, Goose. Come on, Matt. Ah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I'm going to say... I can't even think of any countries now. <laughs> I know, that's where I went. Yeah. I just went completely blank. Argentina. Oh. No. Oh, yes! Because no. <laughs> you've got to get this right. You have to get this right to win. You have to get this one right. Oh my god! I'm trying to think of what we said and what we have. Can you give said. her? A, can you give her a clue? No. Okay, I can give you a clue. Russia. One of the teams played Russia. Yes, you won it. You won it. it. Russia with the World Cup. Yeah. Woo! No. What about Tonga? 91, 94, and 98. No way. Yes. Tonga have not. The missing uh, ones, would you like to hear them? Yeah. yeah. Tonga. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Oh, wow. Kazakhstan. Really? Wow, I never the Netherlands. And Sweden. Did you know, yeah. this is a true story, that Kazakhstan has per capita the biggest number of women's rugby players in the world? Really? Welcome to Batty's yeah. Geography Facts. I have absolutely no idea how <laughs> I know that. I just remember somebody telling me, and I'm thinking, really? I looked it up, and it's true. At least it's women's rugby related this time. Yeah. Yeah. And not Michael Jackson. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm now off on a women, Kazakhstan women's rugby. It's massive. Get following them, guys. Kazakhstan. Yeah, yeah. As a proportion of the, of the number of people playing sports, it's surprisingly high. Oh, they're aiming for a World Cup return. Yeah. There you go. Good for it, Kazakhstan. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you for that long knock-on, knock-off. That does conclude knock on knock off. <laughs> I tossed you with Goose's gossip. gossip. Yeah. What have you got? Well, you kind of stole my story with the whole Waterloo stuff that we've talked about. Oh, here we go. Didn't prep. Didn't prep. Me. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to make some shit up instead. So gossip on the grapevine are players moving teams once the season Ooh. has already started. So the gossip for the week is. What is with players who come to pre-season, play your friendlies, league starts, and they decide that they're going to go and play for another team? So if anybody out there has got players who have swapped allegiances right at the crucial moment, hit me up on social media. I want the gossip. I want to know why they left. I want to know your reasons for why you think they left, whether they're true or not. I just want to know any juicy gossip that anybody's got out there. I have suspicions that players leave to get better Instagram photos because other teams have better photographers who take <laughs> a million photos. That's my reasoning. I'm sorry, Batty, my gossip's a bit shit because if I'm totally honest, I hadn't prepared. So I'm just making shit up now because that's gossip, isn't it? That is gossip. So the, the question I've got as well, right, is at what point do they inform the team that they've left? Is it when the social media photo appears? Or is it beforehand? Because at least three occasions over the last couple of years, I've had a message from a player saying, I can't play because my granny's really sick or because I've got to take my cat to the vets or something. <laughs> something really lame. And then you see them popping up, playing for a completely different team. That shit. That is, but this is the thing, isn't it, with social media? I mean, if I'd done it in my day, no one had known until the local paper came out the following week. Just own your shit. 
If you're going to defect to another team, own it. There's, you've got reasons you want to do it. Why have we got to judge you for doing your thing? We might take the piss a bit, yeah. but own your shit. Yeah, but it comes full circle back to like the downfall of Waterloo and poaching players and all of that stuff. Even the player feels they have to be slightly underhand and not say, hey, right. look, do you know what? I want to go and play over here. It's closer. I've got more chance of getting a full 80. I can play in a position that is more suited to me rather than having to do whatever, whatever their reasons are. So why don't we have that open dialogue? Why is that? I why don't understand that? it. Yeah. Own your shit. We will still take the piss out of you because that's what we do. That's what we do as rugby players. We like to take the piss out of people because it's funny. But own your shit. We will support you if you want to move. Don't do yeah. it secretly because then you'll just end up on Goose's Gossip and I'll have made something up about why you left. So <laughs> own it. Own it. I like that. <laughs> on a serious note though, right? The worst thing of all are players that just stop playing because they don't enjoy yeah. it. If they're going to go to a different team because it's, like you say, Joyce, it's it's more local, they've got better kit, they just like it more, that's fine. As long as they're still playing the game. You know, let's have a bit of respect for each other and not just peer on social media in somebody else's kit, particularly with another player that also left in difficult circumstances. Just be the honest. Kit. The world works better with honesty. I like honesty. It hurts my soul. It hurts no, my soul too. It's just easier, isn't it? Yeah. Shit my coach says. I want mean, to think about the stuff your coach says that you just think, shut up, you tit. Can I add something? <sighs> Me and Goose have decided for our sins to become coaches. Don't know why we're doing this. And I had my first day of do my level two on Saturday. And it was just like listening to coaches over and over again. They just repeat themselves constantly. And they were doing the, does that make sense? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And I couldn't stop pissing coach myself. Educators, the coach educators. Yeah. They yeah. Do. The coaching coaches. And I was just like, so our first session yesterday, I was like, do not say it. Do not say it. Do not say it. And I'm sure I actually said it at one point. It just came out. I could not help myself. You rocked up to your first coaching session yesterday with a black eye. It was... Like, <laughs> come and play rugby. It's great fun. <laughs> That's big rugby, that is. Yeah. It's okay. It. No one's going to get hurt. But I mean, yeah. this, yeah, just unless like, you tackle me. And then just do a tackling drill. No, I think that's a really good one. That is whether that does that make sense. It's like, well, the fact that I'm staring at you gormlessly would suggest, no, it does not make sense. And the fact that you've said it six times exactly the same way, it still doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. If it made sense, we'd be doing it. I think the other one is stop shoveling shit. That's a good one. Yeah, but I've already shoveled the shit. I'm by that. It's already gone. I don't need you to shout it at me after I've done it. It, that is like having your head chopped off twice, yeah. isn't it? I've literally, yeah. I've shoveled the shit. In fact, I'm clapping with shit in my hands. That's how ecstatic I am. <laughs> That's how shit it was. I'm rubbing my shit stained hands through my hair. Do as not shout at me to stop yeah. shoveling shit. The shit has already been shoveled. Leave it alone, okay? Do not need your negativity at this point about yeah. shoveling shit. Yes. <laughs> For me, as a front row, as prop, and it's not so much a coach, it comes from the backs. And if you've ever played in the front row, you've held up eight other players between you eight. You've, you have no idea what direction you're facing when you come out of the scrum from hell. You may then hit a first rook, and the next thing that all you can hear being screamed behind you, and apologies, Katie, this isn't aimed at you, is, get out their fucking ass. And it's just like, I don't even think my legs are still attached. <laughs> if I could, I would be there. But I don't even know whether which way that player's running. 
because my head is battered. I've just had it up somebody's arse somewhere. And that's all I can hear is, get up their arse. Leave me alone. I just want to sit down for a little while and just just question my life. I just want to cry gently to myself. Give me a yellow card. I'm going to take a knee. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to watch Sail Sharks v Chiefs at the weekend. We won't talk about the game because it was utter shit. But we were... um, Sail one. Shh. If I don't talk about it, it can happen. <laughs> we were sat behind the coaching staff in the stand and they were all sat there with their, all their laptops all analysing whatever they analyse. But even at that level, they still come out with the same shit stuff that our coaches come out with. Like I heard them say, does that make sense? And I, it grinded my gears. I was like, holy shit, you're being paid to do this and you're still coming out with this sort of stuff. What is going on? Come on, coaching staff, sort it out. As a coach, when you ask us that, and that does that make sense, you're not expecting us to say no to you, are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> we just want you to nod in agreement and go and do it. Okay, yeah. I'm just, just checking. I'm like, no, no, Goose, that makes no sense whatsoever. Could you explain it now by the means of rhythmic dance to me instead? <laughs> I think sometimes you just want some acknowledgement that there's some life in the blank yeah. and empty faces that are staring at me. And then, on the other hand, it's a subtle way of patronising you, but not understanding what it means, even though you should do after play rugby for millions of years. But. I think code for not understanding it is when they say, or when the player says, um, well, could we just do a, a walkthrough just so that we could see it in action? That's player code for it hasn't made sense. I wasn't <laughs> listening. Staring at the stars, thinking about what I was going to have on my tea, and I have no idea. Or when, it's when you will walk off and you're going, it's no. what we do it. <laughs> do you know what we're doing i don't fucking clue what we're doing all right okay then actually whilst i've been chatting to you i'm going to send a picture to the group because uh, i think you guys need to see this so i was thinking about like things that you could bring on as halftime snacks and this picture just popped up on my twitter it's not shit in a shovel is it it's gonna no. be a bucket of shit in it <laughs> no it's not it's worse actually i'm just throwing uh, it to the group now is there anything worse uh, it's a waffle <laughs> shaped like a waffle with white icing poured over for the listeners to get a bit of a description. A waffle shape like a waffle? What waffle maker have you got, Jodie? Exactly. Oh, I mean, it's a euphemism. Who was the mould for that? It's exactly, how did they get a mould for it? <laughs> I have too many questions now. I've got too many questions. Exactly, but as a half-time snack, that would... Have you seen the wrapping as well? The wrapping it's on? Oh, yeah, there's a dick on oh, it. Oh, it does. <laughs> You're looking at dick-shaped waffles. Where do I feel you like get I need these? to know this now. I just popped I, up on my Twitter feed. I'm not sure what you're following. <laughs> you do realise that a nickname for the vagina is a waffle. <laughs> is it? Is it? Yeah. Uh, is it really? Every day is a yeah. day you, I'm still traumatised by the um, spaghetti. Stick with me, Goose. <laughs> You'll learn you loads. about the beaver dam? Let's not go there, then. It's like yeah. a lesbian cock block. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, the beaver dam. I did see that. That was brilliant, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll teach you so much. Stick with me. Just to preempt it uh, as well for, for listeners, we've got this plan. So I don't know if you guys saw recently a, a team talk that went round social media. There's a couple that have been going round, one of which is from Scott Quinnell. The other one was from that Welsh actor whose name's gone out of my head. Yes, yeah, sure, not sure. Michael Sheen. Michael Sheen. Yeah, yeah, team talk from Michael Sheen. Um, and it's fair to say that they're both absolutely spine tingling. And everyone's saying, look, these team talks should be in every changing room and made everybody want to go out and play rugby and all the rest of it. So what we're going to do as a pod is we're going to do a team talk each over subsequent weekends. 
and then using the magic of editing, <laughs> there'll be some special effects and some music so that before you go out to play rugby, you can listen to one of us giving you the two and talk. Is it, is it a bit like the couch to 5K? You can kind of it's pick a bit which like voice that, literally. <laughs> you can choose which voice you've got. You can either have Jody basically saying that if you don't pull your finger out and ruck, She'll put a finger in you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. 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 It's been too long. Joyce will, you know, if you you don't get your head down and make some tackles. Mine will just be like the equivalent of a mum talk, really. I won't be angry. I'll just be disappointed. Disappointed in you. Disappointed in me. If we just don't make these hits. Yeah. Is that that kind of thing you want? Something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to do one each recording. So we'll uh, decide who who goes first. But it should be a bit of fun. Team talks, or what's the point? Shit team talks are one of my favourite things in rugby. You know what, though? I tried the Scott Quinnell talk at Birkenhead once when I had to captain. And I did the whole butterflies in your stomach turning into dragons and like cheat everyone up. And then we fucking lost massively. And I was like, that's it. I'm never doing a team talk ever again. Well, there's some eye rolling. Yeah, but butterflies to dragons, that's a bit too yogury for me. That's like, now reach up to the sky and feel like you're a tree. No, but I yeah, shouted. Too, too shouted. I got angry. I got angry voice. Which was then funny. Do you know it's <laughs> funny when you get angry, Goose? The angry you get, the more West Country you get. <laughs> Like literally, you start off and you're sort of mild-mannered lawyer living in, you know, on the outskirts of Shropshire. By the end of the team talk, you're basically league singer of the Wurzels. <laughs> you have to do yours in your accent, Goose. That's definitely it. You have to, yeah, you do. <laughs> you have to do my own accent. It's just how I talk. Yeah. We'll just put the Combine Armistice track over the top of the Wurzel one, don't we? As a backing noise, yeah. I'll take it, I'll take <laughs> Definitely. it. Definitely. I'll, I'll have all a right. cider and a pasty whilst I'm doing it. It'll be all right. And a pasty. 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 If it could be live videoed where you've got the sort of the pasty crumbs on your shirt just before you're going out, <laughs> you know. This is Molly's Grassroots Salutes. Hey, podcast. We miss you. I have a grassroots salute slash what the fuck is happening story to tell you. We had a three-way match today against Wibbeliscombe and uh, Brixham. During our match against Wibbeliscombe, one of their players had sustained quite a scary injury. Um, it was being treated as a spinal injury and she was laid very flat and an ambulance was called. I should preface this with she's fine. And is okay. But whilst we were waiting for the ambulance, um, we were trying to figure out ways of getting her off the pitch. And we only have a stretcher, which looks like it's from World War II and not an actual backboard. So it was somebody's job to figure out a backboard situation. And as I was having a look round for a backboard, somebody else ran onto the pitch with a um, with a table and uh, brought it all the way next to the injured player, folded the legs down, put it next to her, and suggested that we put her onto this table, which, by the way, was about six foot wide. So, I mean, once we get her on there, where do we go? We can't go inside the clubhouse. So we just lay her down in the car park? I don't understand. We intervened and said probably... Rolling somebody with a spinal injury onto a table isn't the best idea and we should probably just wait for the ambulance. 
And in the meantime, we were trying to protect her from the sun. It was very sunny in sunny Devon. And uh, yeah, overran Willow, one of our players, with not one, not two, but three umbrellas that we just neatly stacked around her in a tent. I can only imagine she was extremely relieved when the ambulance came and stopped all this stupidity from happening. But yeah, good game. Good game. Hope you're all well. Miss you. Come back soon, please. Love you. Bye. Anyway, in Molly's absence, I'm going to give a grassroots salute and I'm going to do it this time to my own daughter. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. So my daughter, she's 11 and she has just gone up to senior school. So she's now in year seven and she's always been quite interested in singing and dancing that kind of stuff but has never had any lessons or anything anyway last week before she went for a what turned out to be a pretty full-on audition for the full school production of the musical matilda and on friday it was announced that she's been awarded the lead part of matilda no that's really impressive and the best part of this is that she actually looks like Matilda. If you think about what Matilda would look like in your head, it's basically my daughter. Aww. So we've gone Tight through busted. that with no professional training, no real, well, she obviously support from home, but no practical support from home to go in and do something that's quite intimidating to, to sing and dance in front of a load of random people and to then get the part is a big deal. So we're all really proud of her. Yes. Massive yeah, round of well. applause. Well done. Yeah. That is huge. Absolutely. Yeah, brilliant. Fantastic. Our dad moment. Remember us when you're famous. Anyway, that takes us to the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share and comment. In particular, it helps us to grow to have feedback on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to join us on the podcast, please get in touch. The email address is in the show notes. There's an inevitable conclusion to this. A brilliant finish. This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.